Hello and welcome to the Project Football Podcast in association with Luke Williamson Art and Football for Brains 21 Quizbook. A bit more on those later on. In this episode, I chat to Stephen End, who is the author of the aforementioned quizbook, and is an Ipswich Town fan. Uh, Stephen will be taking on the truly random five from five, picking his matches for four for you and making some tough or not so tough choices for his team in a trippy through time. Uh, there'll be some stats, facts, general nuggets of information uh, about Ipswich. And to round things off, there will be an Ipswich Town related poem. It's time for kickoff. So here's some details about Ipswich Town. Uh, they were founded in 1878. Uh, they play at Portman Road with a capacity of around about 30,300. Um, at the end of this season, they finished about mid-table in League One. Uh, the manager is Kieran McKenna. Record goal scorer is Ray Crawford with 218 goals in 354 games in two spells between 1958 and 1963 and then 1965 to 1968. Uh, record appearance holder is Mick Mills with 737 between 1966 and 1982. Uh, record Football League win is 7-0. Uh, they notched that on three occasions. Uh, that was against Portsmouth in Division 2, November 1964, Southampton in Division 1, February 1974. So there's your South Coast double. And they also beat West Bromwich Albion 7-0 in 1976 in Division 1. Uh, record Premier League win was at home to Sunderland in the 0102 season. That was 5-0. Uh, record FA Cup win, 11-0 versus Cromer in the division final in 1936. I'm not entirely sure about that either, but it was on the internet, so it's got to be true. Uh, record League Cup win, 5-0 versus Northampton in the second round at home in the 77-78 competition. Record win in Europe, uh, 10-0 versus Floriana of Malta uh, in the European Cup preliminary round second leg in 1962. Uh, they, honours-wise, they've won the Premier League stroke Division 1 in 1962, um, a runners-up in 1981 and 1982. Uh, championship Division 2, uh, the winners in 1961, 1968 and 1992. Uh, they also won the playoffs in that division in 2000. Uh, League One, Division Three, if you prefer, uh, they won that on two occasions in 1954 and 1957. Uh, they won the FA Cup once in 1978. Uh, they've also won the Texaco Cup, uh, which was officially known as the International League Board Competition. Uh, it was started in 1970, involving sides from England, Scotland and Ireland that hadn't qualified for European competitions. Um, so they won that in 1973. Uh, they won the, or what is now the Europa League or the UEFA Cup as it was back then in 1981. Uh, the record fee that they've paid out for a transfer was for Matteo Serini from Sampdoria in 2001. That's 4.75 million. Uh, record fee received was 12 million for Connor Wickham uh, when Sunderland bought him in 2011. Uh, as for a foot in both camps, we've got like great Sir Bobby Robson, who played for West Brom and then managed Ipswich. Uh, Tony Mowbray, who played and managed 
Ipswich, or played for, sorry, and managed Ipswich, uh, and then also managed West Brom. Uh, other players, we've got Romeo Zondervan, Gareth McCauley, who you can believe the song that was sung, he is better than JT. Uh, Brian Talbot, Kyle Edwards, and Gianni Zyverloon. Uh, as for some famous fans, we've got Tom Chaplin, who was the singer in Keen. Uh, Kevin Painter and Keith Della, who we all know from being darts players. Uh, musician Ed Sheeran and comedian Griff Rhys-Jones. Uh, so I'd like to welcome to the Project Football podcast. Uh, my guest this week is host, no, sorry, not host, author, um, I'll get it right eventually, of the quiz book Footy for Brains 21, which if you've listened to the last few episodes, you'll have heard that featured. Uh, Ipswich Town fan, Stephen End. Stephen, welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. It's a bank holiday. It's uh, still pretty sunny outside where I am in Lowestoft, so sticking all right. Good, good. That's a, not, not too bad a start, is it? Let's hope the rest of it follows suit. Yeah, hopefully. Good. So, as I mentioned in the intro, you're the author, not the host, there we go, um, of the Footy for Brains 21 quiz book, which over the last few episodes I've been mentioning um, just about plugging it basically, just to give it the uh, the support it deserves. Um, how did that sort of come about? What was the the basis behind it? Because it's for a, a charity, isn't it called the Scores Project? Yeah, um, what I'd done is I'd I'd written a previous book called The Ups and Downs of Ipswich Town about twenty five years ago, and then following on from that, it was a kind of a lockdown project. Um, during lockdown, I was just sort of finding things to do, pottering about at home, and you know, sort of working from home through through lockdown and different things as well. And it just sort of stemmed from looking at, picking up a quiz book and I thought, oh, I could do that. And then putting a few little articles in it as well and a few interviews with a few people on you and contacting a few different people as well. And it just sort of rolled on from there and 740 odd questions later, there was a book. So, so and um, I think that the features you've got there off the top of my head, um, there's Dar River memorabilia collector. Is that one of them? I think. Yep yeah, that that um that's, that's that's meant to be a secret. That that I'll I'll reveal the secret. That is myself. So ah, fair enough. Um, there you go. <laughs> Your cover's blown now. You know. Yeah, it, it is blown. It is blown. But it, it's um it's a good read, and it it continues along all the time. So um it it has uh, extended from that, and it it did con- it uh, did continue yesterday as well. So that oh, was uh, very good. I was had that a couple just, of little finds, so that was good. Is that sort of just anything football related, or do you stick to like you know just shirts or just programs, or yeah, is there a um mainly mainly programs and and um, the trade cards? Okay. Um, but uh, yesterday's was a was an old Tottenham Hotspur shirt from the early nineties that I managed to find uh, with uh, sponsored by a a brewery. Uh, I can name it Holston. Yes, um, you've got no worries about naming. You know, uh, okay. Um, yeah, so I, I found one of those, and um, yeah, so that was quite good. And I found some old 1970s World Cup um, cards that were issued with the Hotspur magazine. Okay. So that was a nice, good little find, and it didn't cost me a lot of money either, so I was quite pleased. With the you say about the trading cards, would that have been sort of a precursor to like the Panini sticker albums? Do you think or? Um, yeah, those those would have been. Um, 
there was another little set in there that was sort of um, three or four cards. And they were they were issued with uh, shredded wheat um, back <laughs> in the day. So it's like the vet, the breakfast cereal and yeah, I mean, and there used to be like ABC cards in the nineteen sixties, and then moving forward, you had your tops and your panini, and then your um, yeah, they're the ones that are most popular now, and like the match attacks and things like that now. Yes. Yeah, you see them advertised all the time, don't you? I mean, I remember, yeah. I think the first one I got was not a, not a sticker album, but there was like a, a weekly thing that you put into your, uh, a massive binder. Well, I think it was for World Cup 90, but you yeah. could get the stickers through that as well, like and for the different yeah. squads and, and what have you. That was... Yeah, I think the 1991, they'd done a... Um, the Sun done one, I think, and then there was... Um, uh, where they issued like a weekly magazine where you had to collect so many parts and different things as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's um, something I've always collected. I've been a collector for 40 years and it's just sort of rolled on and I'm in the office where all my memorabilia is at the moment. So. So it's not the sort of thing that you're sort of willing to give up just yet. Then. <laughs> no, no, no. It's um, yeah. It's a interesting hobby anyway. That's where there's no sort of, I don't know. To, no, no sort of two halls are the same, I suppose, are they? When it comes to that sort of thing. No, no. I mean, obviously, with the with the lockdown situation and COVID, I, you know, I, I don't tend to go out um, very often, looking sort of car boot sales, and that's like only the first or second time I've been to um, been to one sort of over the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah. No. Um. Uh, the the scores project. How did the how did how did your quiz book come to linking with that that was to do with um my, my nan um and my wife's nan both passed away with um uh dementia and alzheimer's nice. related illnesses not not through playing football or anything like that no. too, but just just through dementia and nice. um my nan, my nan my nan passed away probably about 12 13 years ago and my wife's nan passed away about 18 months ago so it was something that was close to our heart and and um, my wife actually came up with the name of the book and she she thought of football for brains and i just sort of ran with it and um just sort of took it from there i mean the the scores project i just got involved with because it, it's local it's at the university of east anglia which is norwich which is sort of 25 30 miles away from where i live um and they they just said yeah well um i'll be happily you know, make a donation from the sale of each book to to the scores project. And um, more recently, over the last um, couple of weeks, I've actually linked in with um, a more of a a national one called um, Head for Change, and okay. they're um, linked in with Sport and Memories as well. Right. So I had a had a meeting um, probably about two or three weeks ago with a lady called Judith Gates, um, who's the director and sort of co-founder of the head for change project and uh her um her husband is uh, bill gates he used to play for middlesbrough in the um middle middle of the 70s and his brother is eric gates he used to play for ipswich as well coincidentally okay. yeah so uh there's a little bit of a link in there with ipswich as well so yeah, brilliant. and um yeah they're they're supporting the the scores project and and uh, they also know of the scores project i should say and you know they're, they're um, helping me and they're going to publicize the book and sort of future um newsletters that they do with and publications so it, it's a worthy cause but ultimately isn't it you know given what it what it's for um like investigating the um i, I did remember this 
before, but it's like investigating like the impact on the brain from head injuries in football, yeah. isn't it? Pretty much. Head injuries in football, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that that um, that's something that is obviously going forward um, with you know junior football. They're sort of totally cutting out up to a certain age there now, and then um, going forward, hopefully they'll they'll try and eradicate it as you know as, as best as they can. I mean, every footballer probably you know, at some stage or, you know, go, going back to the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s, they're, you know, they're, they're going to be affected in some way by all the amount of headering they've done at some point during their life, probably. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with my allegiance to West Brom, the, the very well-documented case of that was uh, was none other than Jen Aft- Jeff Astle. Sorry if I get his name out properly. Um, yeah. He- but also there's the Jeff Astle Foundation as well, isn't there, which is the same sort of, yeah, you know, along the I mean, same he, sort of lines. He he was he was one of the one of the first people to to actually come out with it, and obviously passed away at a very very young age in his sort of mid mid to late fifties. Yeah, I think he was. I think it was fifty. I was only looking at this the other day when I was talking to one of the lads at work about it. I think he was about fifty nine. Yeah. Um, when it happened, which is no age when you look at it these days, is it? No, and I mean with all the publicity that's been going on, I mean a lot of the or half the Manchester United side of the European winning team in the sixties. They all had dementia, and then uh, with um, the Charlton brothers and Nobby Styles more recently, and then you know the the, the list is endless, and um, they've all um, you know passed away with it or, or living with it now. Um, yeah. uh, Chris Sutton's dad, Mike Sutton, he, yes. he was another one that passed away about eighteen months ago. Um, yeah, so 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 sad, but like I say, I, I try and do what I can in relation to the book and. It's been out about probably about a year now, um, and it's it's hopefully just going to keep going and going. And you know, there might maybe another one along the line, or there might be something different. But you know, you just don't know until something happens, really. Well, that's it. I mean, the the name of it as well is sort of got a sort of a, a double sided meaning, doesn't it? Because obviously, you got you know football for brains, as in you're looking into the effect on the brain from football, but there's also yeah. It's football to test your brain with the quiz side of things. So that's a yeah, very clever I mean, title. Yeah, a, a lot of it, um, like the, the sport and memories um, people, they, they set up groups and all, all over the country um, and use different things like photographs and um, old newspapers. And they get, they, they get people in who are not necessarily got dementia, but um, also if they have as well, but... Um, you know, just just to jog their memory and get people talking about um, when they went to games and things like that. And they have they have groups. They might have a small group or a large group meeting weekly or monthly. And that there's, you know, there's quite a lot across the country. So hopefully, I'll be linking in with them as well going forward. And you know, different different areas. I've, I've had non-league football clubs um, take the book, and um, you know, a couple of league clubs have taken the book and I had an article in um, the AFC Wimbledon programme a few weeks ago against Lincoln and the gentleman done a full page um, for me in the programme and you know just publicising it really for me so that was nice as well. So, I mean it only takes you know a, a few extra you know eyes on that it's like oh have you seen this you know they say to the mates and then they pass it on to their mates and yeah. next thing you know you can't print them fast enough. No, no. I mean, the, the the worrying thing was when they when they started talking to me about the the head for change, and the lady said, "Well, do you, have you got capacity for a reprint?" And I'm thinking, well, you know, if if it goes as well as that, 
you know, it, it could really, really expand. So, you know, I, I, I can do it. Obviously, I can. So, it's, it's, you know, it's good if it happens. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on from that, then, uh, you're an Ipswich Town fan. Yeah. Um, as League One, well, the, the normal season has just come to a close, hasn't it, last week? Uh, you finished, yeah. I think it was mid-table, about 11th, 12th, something like that, was it? Yeah, 11th, um, 70 points. And they won won yesterday against, uh, or Saturday even, sorry, I'm getting confused with the days with the bank <laughs> holding. Um, yeah, 4-0 against Charlton, so it was a good good end to the season. So, yeah, happy with that. But hopefully next season they'll, they'll push on and be up there or thereabouts. Well, that, that was going to lead on to my next question. So where do you see yourself, you know, ideally next season? Do you want to push for playoffs automatic or? Um, I, I would say with the, the manager that they've got in, um, uh, McKenna, he, he's he's a very knowledgeable guy. He, he changes, he's got the art to change tactics in a game where some managers don't. I mean, they'll stick with rigid tactics all the way through the game, etc. But um, he does seem to have that, and he's a very young manager as well. And um, he may well be leading um, Ipswich Town higher up the higher up the scale, or we could be, um, you know, using the club as a stepping stone to get him further up the managerial ladder as well. I mean, he came from Manchester United. He brought a couple of the backroom staff there as well. He could have stayed there and been an assistant to the manager there that was, you know, still there now because he obviously only got the job in December. So. Yeah, I mean, a few little tweaks in the squad and the team, um, like there always is with every other team at the you know start of the season, the end of the season, players come and go. Um, yeah, I'd I'd like to think that they'd be up there, there or about next season. You think you can manage at least playoffs, possibly? Yes, I, I would. I would like to hope so. I mean, at the start of the season, they had a terrible start to the season, really, and um, because they brought in eighteen players at the start of the season, and it like every side it takes time to work together to get to yeah. know the players and gel and, and all that and you know that, that took too long really and um, there was a lot of draws um, but you know if you turn five or six draws into wins that's the extra points that you need to push up to get into that's that it. playoff spot these days really so it's, it's, it's minor changes they've got quite a good budget because they're owned by an American company called Game Changer so um, yeah, going forward, the you know the the financial side of it is pretty secure. Where years ago it wasn't, you know, going back to the early late nineteen um, nineties and that the, the club was in liquidation. You know, it was probably going under. You know, and had debts, and you know they and then Mister Evans came along and stabled the ship for a little while, and then he decided to move on and go elsewhere. So um, with well, with, with League One, like you see, a lot of ex-prem teams have been there. You know, you've got the likes of Sunderland, Bolton, Sheffield Wednesday, Charlton, yourselves. You know, it's almost becoming like the the next step. Like obviously, there's a next step down for the Championship, but obviously, you got prem teams coming down from that, and then there's more going down into that. It's almost like a third prem, isn't it? At some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean. If if you went back if you went back in time twenty years and you looked at the Premier League or the you know the Premier League in in two thousand a lot of the teams that are in League One would have been in the Premier League yeah so then, I was going to say then you got the likes of Bradford and uh, Swindon as well who've gone down a step further yeah yes yeah, um it's crazy 
it, it really is crazy that you know that how you know I mean Bradford Bradford and I think Bradford had one season in the Premier League, maybe two. Swindon had an awful season in the Premier League, but they got the lowest amount of points ever, I think. And then they just sort of free fall from there and then just sort of stabilise now, really, in sort of League Two. Yeah, then you've got the likes of, I mean, some teams that have done it, I think Leeds, Forest. Well, not 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 Forest, they've gone down to League One and then not quite got back up to the Prem yet, but Leeds have. Uh, Wolves have, unfortunately, for me. Um uh, yeah, that's the sort of thing obviously you're looking to do because is this your second season down, is it? Uh, third, third, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like Norwich really, isn't it? Their yo-yo. Yes, there's so another one. Yeah. yeah. Down. So, you know, they, they sort of take the parachute payment from the Premier League the next season, you know, invest in a um, normally a good little sort of two or three million pound player and then a couple of seasons later they'll, you know, he'll be on the conveyor belt and going out the door for 20. So, um, how did you come to support Ipswich? Um, I was about four or five at the time, and um, they'd just gotten to the cup final against Arsenal in 1978. <laughs> and, um, so I only laughed because obviously we played you in the semi finals, didn't we, that year? Yeah, yeah. And um, my dad said, Oh, Ipswich have got to the final, they're at Wembley. So I, I was getting really sort of quite excited to think that you know, my local team and my dad was telling me all about it. And, you know, when you're about four or five, you know, you, you sort of listen to your dad quite a bit and, you, and your mum's there in the background sort of talking about football as well because she's pretty knowledgeable on football as well. And and um, I can't I can't remember the game very much, but obviously watching it back and years to years gone by and videos and DVDs and different things. And all, I, all my dad remembers saying to me was, um, years later, he said, on the day of the cup final, he said, you went very well. He said, you missed nearly all the game and you just fell asleep on the, on the, on the sofa. Oh no! And then like when they scored 10 minutes from the end, I just woke up and then dad <laughs> was like celebrating around the room, you know, like when they scored, because it was a big thing back in the day in the seventies, you kind of watched the cup final with like all your relatives and different things like that as well. And, but yeah, so that's, that's my sort of early memory of sort of being told about it. But obviously as I, got a little bit older and that I knew more more of the players and like everyone does they in the playground you're kind of reenacting all your goal scoring heroes and all that and all your yeah. defenders and in the playground as well so so I mean leading on from that obviously you say you can't remember a great deal about that match what what was your like your earliest Ipswich memory um well my first game I went to was in um it was my 12th birthday in 1986 and it was a day after my birthday and they played Stoke City at home and Ipswich won 2-0 and uh, Kevin Wilson scored both goals. That's, so that's That was my first ever game. So it's nice to get a win on your first one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I'm just going to break off from the main chat a little bit to uh, let you know about the uh, things that I mentioned at the start, which is Luke Williamson art. Um, that's pretty much it for this one, purely because the guest is the one who wrote the book. So we've already covered it. Luke Williamson art is a family run business producing digital art prints of iconic and famous football grounds from yesteryear running since 2017 details on how you can save a bit of money on artwork to come later on in the show.
Um, moving on then, if you don't mind, I will nudge us on to the various features that we've got going. Um, first one, five from five. Okay. Uh, and for anyone who hasn't heard this before, um, there's five sets of 10 questions, numbered, each numbered one to 10. Uh, Stephen's going to pick one number from each uh, block. Could be the same one for everyone if you want. Uh, and the answers, unless it states otherwise in the question, will be uh, Ipswich-related players. Okay. So, uh, first choice, one to ten, what we're going for? Um, number one. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say about players, this is one based on you, <laughs> as I've given that description. Okay. Um, in the changing room, what personality would you be? Would you be like a shouter? Would you be like the one who sort of sits back and lets things go, or...? Um, I never, I never really played football at a very good standard. I, I was, I was, a, I was a left back, so I was a bit of a tough tackler, bit of a shouter, um, and sort of uh, had a bit of a Stuart Pearce left-footed free kick. That's how I would describe myself. So I was a bit of a. If I took a penalty, it'd be you know. Uh, I can't remember it now. I think it was one of the World Cups when he scored in the penalty shootout against Spain. I think it was. That was uh, Euro '96, wasn't it? That. That's it. Yeah, we yeah. gave it a bigger than he. So yes. yeah, I'd be a, I'd be that kind of player. So uh, uh, for, for, from that, I'd say a leader, someone who you know the rest of the the changing room can look up to. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd bark the orders a bit, I suppose. Ah, fair enough. Um, right, block two, one to ten. What are we having? Number seven. Okay, and this uh, kind of ironically ties into what you've just spoken about. There's a last-minute penalty in a cup game. It's like the 119th minute and 30 seconds. It's level. Who's taken the penalty? So, Ipswich player, past or present, who would you have? Um, has to be John Walk. Okay. Um, late, late 70s, early 80s. Um, hardly ever missed a penalty for Ipswich. Mr. Reliable, um, bottom corners, hardly ever missed, um, John Walk. That was a very convincing answer as well, so it's not you didn't really have to give that much thought. Um, right, uh, block three, one to ten, what's your choice? Number, number nine. Number nine. Uh, do you prefer a lone striker in a formation or a strike partnership? Bit more conventional four four two for myself. Okay. Yeah. Any any reasoning behind that, or just that's just what you you prefer? Yeah, I, I, I'm a bit against the the lone striker. I do like um, someone to play up there as a partnership. Sort of the old uh, style Shearer Sutton um, type thing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. A lot, a lot of a lot of teams have had great partnerships, and I, I think when you've only got one player up front, it's harder to. Harder to find them in the box. Yeah, I suppose then as well on that. Go on, sorry. That's okay. Yeah, just saying, like, harder to find a player in the box unless unless you're a really good hold-up player and then you're, you know, bringing the balls into, you know, the wider players and then they're feeding off and then you, you've got to get in the box again to try and find someone else. But, yeah. Now, I was going to say, with the a, a, a two up front, what you, you've got as well, if one of them sort of suffering a little bit in form, the other one might just sort of pick up a bit of slack and then, the other one sees them score and think, oh, hang on, 
and then that sort of gives them the boot at the backside they need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've always probably got one who's a little bit faster and finds that little extra yard of space as well. So, right, we're on the uh, penultimate block now. So, what are we going for this time? Uh, Number 10. Number 10. Uh, Favourite current Ipswich player? Favourite current Ipswich player. Okay. Um, I would have to say... um, It's a tricky one. It's a very tricky one. I'm going to go for Bersant Salina, but he's he's only on loan, so he he he's gone at the moment, but he could be back next year. Is he on loan from Swansea? Is he? He did play for Swansea. He's um, on loan from a a French team at the moment. Uh, Okay, no, because I remember. Uh, well, there wasn't at the game, but I've seen it on the, like the highlights and that. He took, um, how can I say this, a god-awful penalty in front of the Brummie Road against us on a night game. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it, look it up. And if you don't laugh, I would be very surprised. Yeah, he, he scored a wonder goal against Crewe this season. And it's been put in the, you know, like the goal of the season for League One. Okay. He took on a couple of players and then he chipped the goalkeeper and it just went over the top of the goalkeeper and he just landed in the, you know, like just literally from that right on the side of the touchline and probably about 30 yards out. That's not bad, is it? So he's got something right. in his locker, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he started his career or, or the beginning of his career. He's at Man City as well, so. Yeah, so you've got to be doing something right to start with, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So, right, uh, last block then. From the one to ten, what are we going um, for? Number three. Number three. Uh, and this kind of goes in with the last question, but this is a bit more broad. Who's your favourite all-time Ipswich player? Okay. I'm going to go for... Um, I'm going to go for... Um, I'm going to go for Pablo Cunhago. Okay. Um, he scored 65 goals in two spells. And he was a um, a Spanish player with a um, a temperament that you didn't know what he was going to be until he turned up on the day. <laughs> so he was a kind of, you know, he had he had that he had something about him. He had the skill, um, you know, he had close control. He'd score goals and. He didn't like Roy Keane very much either. I don't think he's on his own in that one, is he really? <laughs> yeah, he had, he had a big falling out while he was at Ipswich and then that, that right. made him move on from there. So, yeah, he didn't get on with Roy Keane very well. But, yeah, he, he, he was um, a good player to watch on his day and scored some good goals. You say, but you don't know what you're going to get to your turn. We sort of call him a bit of an enigma, maybe? Yes, yes, probably, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you know, one day he'd be on fire, the next day he wouldn't. But, you know, the majority of the time he was a good good all-round player. So it's a name I'm, I've heard of, but I, I don't think I've seen a, a great deal of him. So, yeah. Um, so that's five from five taken care of. Uh, next one mm-hmm. we're going to go for is uh, four for you. And again, if anyone's not heard this before, uh, I've asked Steve to pick five matches from any 
any period in time, could be international, club, non-league, if, if you so wish, um, and to experience that match from the position of any particular player involved. So, do you want to fire away with your first one? Yeah, I mean, you may have had this one on here before, but my first one is um, Euro 96 and um, Gaza's goal against Scotland. Yes. Um, that That's quite a um, sort of memorable game for myself. I was um, early 20s, probably big, first big tournament where I was going out and, you know, like going down the pub and watching the game with my mates and things like that. And, yeah, just stands out, you know, Gazza is one of the, you know, all-time great English midfield players of his of his generation, really. Without a question. Yeah, I think I was about, well, 13 going 14 in that summer, so I couldn't quite enjoy it at the pub, but yeah, I remember I remember that tournament, definitely. And then, obviously, with Gazza as well, he was, what, millimetres away in the, uh, the semi-final against Germany, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, back in the... Early 90s in that one as well. Yeah, it could have been so close. Yeah. And here's Gascoigne. Brilliant play! Oh! Take a bow for that! That's unbelievable! There you go. Um, All right, so your second choice? Okay, I won't. This one, I don't know whether you've seen it, but I haven't included it, but I'm going to mention it. Okay, so an honourable mention, like. Okay, it might might upset you a little bit, but I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it 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 would have been Paul Mariner's first goal for Ipswich against West Bromwich Albion. Okay, but th- this didn't actually go in because I I changed my mind after it and I came up with something completely different. But if you get a chance to see it, type in Paul Mariner's first goal for Ipswich on YouTube and give it a little watch because it's a fantastic goal. But we'll come back to Paul Mariner a little bit later because he features somewhere else. So. I was going to say, if that was okay. pre-1988, I wasn't going to the Albion at that point. So, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll let yeah, it that, slide. That would have been, that would have been um, I can't remember. It probably would have been, um, I can't remember now. It would have been mid to late 70s, probably, that one. Ah, okay. Sorry, I wasn't born till 82, so. Okay, but yeah. the one I did pick, the second choice was um, Dalian Atkinson, um, who, who played for Ipswich between... 85 to 89 and it was his hat trick against Middlesbrough um, okay. on the 20th of April 1988 and he scored a hat trick and nearly all the goals were from outside of the box um, again watch it on YouTube if you can so the first goal he um, scored in the top top left hand side from outside the box the second goal, he ran across um, the pitch and hit a right foot power driver from outside of the box into the corner. And the third one, he shot right into the bottom right-hand corner. And I've never seen a hat-trick like it before. And, it, you know, it, it, I, I'd only been going to Ripswich probably two or three seasons and I thought, wow, what a player. Um, and, I mean, he... he Left the season later and went to Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday um, for four hundred and fifty thousand. And on that day when he played against Middlesbrough, the centre halves were Gary Pallister and Tony Mowbray. So, really, um, that was quite a partnership. 
I mean, Gary Palace, I'm not sure whether he was playing for England at that point, but I think before he went to Man United, he was at Middlesbrough. So, and Tony Mowbray as well. Um, so, yeah. And then, so someone who's got ties to, well, both our clubs as well, isn't he, Tony Mowbray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony played in the playoff final and then, yeah, manager as well. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, he was probably one of the best managers we've had in recent years for for his football. And uh, yeah, he doesn't give anything away either, does he? In his interviews, he's probably proper no, poker no. face. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I think he's likely to be leaving Blackburn at the end of the season as well. So, from what I saw of the uh, the snippet from his press conference the other day, that is looking likely, unless anything happens between now and then. But you know, yeah, wherever he goes, if he carries on in football, whoever gets him has got a great manager. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think he's he's a player uh, or a manager now. Who, he he's he's probably thinking, I want to spend a bit more time at home, and yeah. that may even be his last job. So, just have to see. But it's it's a shame because I think he could still, you know, uh, even if he came, even if he came back to Ipswich um, as like a director of football or yeah. uh, you know. Uh, you know, someone in that capacity, advisory capacity, or something like that, to to help a young manager along, you know, and give him tips and pointers. And I, I don't know whether that would ever happen, but you know, or he may decide just to take time out and not not come back, step away from it altogether. Ultimately, it's his choice, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like I say, Dalian played for Sheffield Wednesday, Real Sociedad. Then he had a spell at Aston Villa and. Um, Man City and then had a couple of games for England B as well and yeah unfortunately he passed away two or three years ago as well which yes, is so it was only recent wasn't it well. that, that happened so, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, right third choice for, for this one okay um, I've mentioned this man already tonight um, John Walk and it was um, a penalty that he took in the final of the UEFA 1981 Cup final um, in the first leg and Ipswich won that 3-0 at home and John Walk took the penalty and he stepped up and absolutely smashed it in the bottom left-hand corner and um, yeah that was uh, again another YouTube because I was only seven at the time so but, yeah um, and then Ipswich went away in the away leg and managed just to scrape scrape for him and win the cup so is that the sort of penalty that if the keeper gets in the way, he's in the back of the net as well? Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the time. I mean, he didn't miss many. So who's that against? That was Alkmaar. Oh, uh, okay, a Dutch opposition. Um, Dutch thing, yeah. It's handball, it's a penalty. And it's going to be John Walk to take it. John Walk has... Scored 11 from 11 attempts this season. And that's 12. Thank you. Um, right, number four. Um, that one was the great um, free kick from Stuart Pearce in the 1991 Cup final against Tottenham. So Nottingham Forest versus Tottenham. And absolutely flew in the corner. So it's fair to say he had a bit of a, a wicked left foot, didn't he? He probably yeah. still has now. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. I think it was. was um, I don't know whether I'm right or wrong. I think it was his 60th birthday, not so long ago. Maybe even a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. 
Uh, that that be something that someone can either tell us, you know, after listening to this, or, or we'll have a look on Wikipedia afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So now it's, uh, I, I think obviously he's got a massive association with Forest, and obviously the England thing with missing in nineteen ninety and then redemption in ninety six, and yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of moulded my play around when around him when I was in the on the pitch playing five a side against people, so I'd be. Hitting a good free kick and smashing it and nearly Just knocking the goalpost over. No nonsense. Yeah, I didn't have a right foot, but my left peg was all right. Yeah. Sort of, he's I mean, probably the, the, the philosophy. This is what my dad always told me um, when we had a, a knock around in the garden like, either the ball or the man gets past you, never both. Yeah. And yeah. to be fair, he had a damn good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With 15 minutes gone and Stuart Pierce is always a danger here. Gary Parker standing to his left, but Pierce possibly lining up a left foot shot for Forrest. Oh, it's in! What a splendid shot by the Forest captain to give Brian Clough's team the lead in the cup final. And what Gascoigne did in the semi final against Arsenal, Pierce produces against Tottenham in the final. Yeah. All right, um, so that's four down. Uh, number five. Right, okay. I think I'm going to have to say the Paul Mariner goal as well because I haven't written five down. I've swapped it for some reason. But I'm going to say the Paul Mariner goal, their first goal for Ipswich against West Bromwich Albion. I said, you're not the first one to mention the goal against us, so don't worry about that. Um, yeah, and there is a little story to the Paul Mariner thing as well. Um, he came to Ipswich in a deal that saw a gentleman called John Pedelity move the other way. And John Pedelity was my sports master at high school. Okay. So he was the one that went the other way in the Paul Mariner deal um, when Paul Mariner came from Plymouth to Richard Town. Right. Yeah. I see. You don't expect your PE teachers to just, you know, up and go, do you? No, no. No, and he still he still lives quite locally now. I think he lives yeah. out near Ipswich as well. So okay, yeah, yeah. It was a really nice chap. Always talked about football, but if you got on the wrong side of him, you were, you were in trouble. <laughs> so that, that's that's old school teachers for you. Yeah. Forward goes Mills. Giles takes it off him, but uh, Walker's in there hard. Weimark and Mariner waiting for help. Mariner on his own. All right, um, so that is four for you concluded. Um, on to the last bit of this now. Uh, it's the feature which I'm still sticking with the name, and you know what? I think you know, I'm just going to leave it be. I'm not going to try and think of a different one for it. A trippier through time. And again, if no one's heard this previously, uh, Stephen has picked the, the best tips which 11 he can, but. The parameters are it can only pick players between the 1960s and the 2020s and is limited to two players per decade. And optionally, sorry, it's got a manager to choose as well. And optional to choose a bench, which has got to include a goalkeeper and optional as well to choose an assistant manager. So if you want to give us your team, Steve, fire away. The floor is yours. Okay. As we were talking before we came on air, this is this is a really tough 
this is really tough to do. So um, I could have probably put in about six different goalkeepers, I think, to this <laughs> one, probably. Um, but I, I went for one that I actually saw play myself, yeah. which was Rich, Richard Wright. Okay. Um, played for Ipswich um, in three spells, um, made his career as a um, debut as a 17-year-old against Coventry in 1995 and then went on to play for Arsenal Everton and West Ham and then had brief spells at Southampton Sheffield United and a loan spell at Preston before he went and played for Manchester City for about four or five years and I don't think he made a single first team appearance in that four or five years and then he was retired after that. He's basically doing what Scott Carson is doing now for City. Yes, yeah. Although I think he has actually played, hasn't he? Yeah, he did. I think, I might think have he, one or two games yes, under his belt. Yeah, I think he played about six six weeks ago, something like that. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't know if it was a European game or a league. I, I don't know, but I know he's played for him since he's been there. So it's yeah, not, not just a bench warmer. Yeah, and I mean Richard Wright. I mean going back to the early two thousands, he was you know being touted as, as being like the next England number one goal people oh, yeah, yeah. going to Arsenal and, and different things he went to Arsenal for two million and I mean two million back in the early 2000s was quite, quite a lot of money really but that's it um, didn't, didn't quite work out and then like I say he went to Everton and West Ham after that and sort of and then he came back to Ipswich was there three times altogether so well, he, um, I was going to say just before we carry on with the team what formation have you gone for? I've gone for the four four two. Four four two. That seems to be the, the sort of usual pick for this. Uh, cool. All right. So we'll go to, from back to front. Um, Defence. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've I've tried tried to do them left back and right back, but um, oh, it, some of them played out of position and some of them are there. But I've I've put in as best as I could. So that um, I've got one of them uh, was uh, Mauricio Tarico. Okay, um, and he he signed for Ipswich in nineteen ninety four and was there for four seasons. And yeah. played one hundred and thirty seven games and scored four goals. And then he went on to play played for Tottenham for about six seasons, and then um, played at West Ham and Brighton, and then he was assistant manager at Brighton and Sunderland. And then he went on, and I think he's out in France now as an assistant manager out in France. So not a bad gig if you can get it, depending on whereabouts it is. is it? If you've got a, a job at like I know Nice or Marseille down the south, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was at Bordeaux. Or I'm not sure whether he's there still, but I know he was at Bordeaux. So, so if he's partial to a bottle of wine, then that's the perfect place to be, isn't it? That is, isn't it? Yeah. So he, he was a he was a tough tackling Argentinian, had a bit about him, and. Uh, didn't like playing against Sheffield United and Neil Warnock. So he didn't used to, he got the crowd wound up when he played against Sheffield United. I, think so. I don't think there's many people in general that like Neil Warnock, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Right, so, uh, who else have we got in the defence then? Okay, we've got um, Terry Butcher. Obviously. Yeah, so we've got, we've got Terry in there. He was... Uh, in there for 10 years in the mid to late mid well mid 70s to the mid 80s um 
and then he went to Rangers where he played for Rangers for a few seasons and uh, played with Gaza in uh, for Rangers there. Um, and then he came back and he had sort of smaller spells at Coventry and, and Sunderland. And then he, he went on to be a manager and he had uh, success at, um, as a manager at 10 different clubs. That's a bit of a bit of a merry-go-round from them, isn't it, as a manager? Yeah, I mean, he was at Coventry, Newport, uh, Inverness. Um, I think he was at Sunderland as well. Um, I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but um, yeah, he, he he was a journeyman manager. You know, he done all right with a few places and that. And he, he's um, he's president of a, um, a local league, uh, non-league side, um, Lowestoft Town as well. So okay. He's just taken it on this season. So still yeah. sort of involved in in football in in the sort of yeah. local areas. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I've I've met him and he's he's got a copy of my book. So I think I've seen the picture that you posted a, a few times yeah. on Twitter. Like, that's not a bad. You know, no, person to have no. representing is it? So no, no, he, he's um, he's he's very up for the cause, so to speak. So yeah. I, I think we might be having a few more, uh, a few more words, and a few get, hopefully get a, a good response from him there on a few different things that I might be able to put to him to push oh, the book forward. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Right. Uh, next one in the defence. Okay, I've gone for um, Kevin Beatty as well. Um, he, he played for Ipswich sort of um, in the 70s and early 80s and that as well. Um, he, he played nine games for England. Um, and he, 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 as a modern day footballer, he probably would have gone on to make 100 caps. He was that good. But he had um, quite a lot of knee trouble in his later days and um, didn't play or fulfil his whole career really that, you know, what he should have done really. But and then he sadly passed away sort of two or three years ago as well. So um and there's a statue outside Portman Road of him as well, which has just come oh, up right. in the last few months. So yeah, he was um uh you know, I had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times when I've gone to games and stuff like that. And he always yeah. had time for the fans and you know, he's just just a down to earth footballer really. Yeah, I think you tend to find that and this well, from my experience anyway, that ones of a a certain generation, and I've, I've mentioned this before, that I've, you know, thankfully managed to meet the likes of uh, Tony Brown and the late Sewell Regis, you know, and they were such great blokes, you know, they, they, like you said, they had time for people, and yeah, you wouldn't really get that now, would you? It's like, no, I, I think going back sort of 20 or 30 years, it was a case of um, I'm pulling on the shirt every week, um, I'm mixing with the, mixing with the, the fans, um, it's not about the money, um, you know. It's just that I love playing football and I want to play and I want to play for my team. Um, and nowadays, you know, there's certain players there in certain teams that you know they're on wages that you can only probably earn in your whole career of working life in probably what they earn in a month it's that you're going to work your whole working career to make. So yeah. Like that, they make what in probably in a day, you know, some of them. What you what, yeah, the average Joe earns in a lifetime is just for want of a better term, it's sickening, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but like I say, going back in the day, people were just grateful of playing for the team, and you know, that's what that what Kevin done. He yeah. played for his team and he loved it. I see, I mean, you, you, you know, you could live next door to footballers and they'd just be like, you know. 
just like you walk down the shop to get the paper, or, you know, pint of milk, what have you. And the only time they're different is when they're actually playing and doing their job. Yeah. I mean, going back to that era, if someone was like that about, you'd probably walk to the shops with them, pick up the paper, walk back, have a chat. Nowadays, someone would get in their Porsche or their Ferrari and drive to the shop, even if it was 100 yards away, just to make a statement. Or, or they'd get driven there by someone else and get, you know, yeah. pay them to do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's Jack Grealish, he couldn't drive 20 yards without hitting something, so. <laughs> yeah, all right, um, so we've got three out of your back four. Who's yeah. completing the uh, the defensive line? Okay, I had to go back a little bit further this time. So, um, this player played in the 1960s. Okay, a guy called Billy Baxter. Um, he, he played over 400 games for Ipswich between 1960 to 1971. And he captained the team in the 1967-68 season. Um, that was quite a hard one for me to pick because obviously not being around at that time, I had to get a little bit of advice from my dad. Yeah. Um, and he said, oh, I'm not sure about that. I've got him out of position there, playing in the wrong place. So he mentioned another player called Andy Nelson, who played, um, I think, at, when they won their only ever championship, um, like the old Premier League now, the old yeah. first division title. So, yeah. So Billy Baxter, he was Scottish, um, quite a hard hard player in the in the back four there. But he played over 400 games for Richard. I say uh, that, that's that's the thing with this. You've got to sort of, if you're only a certain age, you've got to sort of rely on people who would have known players from that era. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I like I say, I I I'd done a little bit of research. I, I'd heard of the name. I'd heard of the other guy's name as well. And um, obviously, because the the 60th. Uh, 60 years near enough to the week when Ipswich won the, the old first division like this week okay. so there's been quite a little bit of about it on the radio there's you know a few of the players are still alive so sadly a lot of them have passed away now but you know there's been coverage on there with the manager you know Elf Ramsey England manager 1966 and you know that as well and so they've, they've, they've done a special tribute on Radio Suffolk local radio on Saturday for about an hour as well. So I haven't listened to that yet, but I'm going, I'm going to listen to it. So, yeah. So that, that was one of the players that was in that, that particular area. All right. Um, all right. Into the midfield then. Okay. Um, I've already mentioned this player already, Bersant Salina. Yeah. Um, he's, he's been on loan this season and had a couple of spells at the club already. He's a cost of an international. Um, it's scored 13 goals. Um, and like I say, the wonder goal that he scored this season, I don't know whether he will come back again. Um, maybe he will or maybe he won't. But for the the times that he was on the pitch, he's bit of a got a bit of a reputation of being a bit of a super sub. Um, but League One, um, it's far too good for League One, but I shouldn't say that just in case anyone else is listening. <laughs> um, you know, and wants to put in a bid. But yeah, I'd like to see him come back and be a good Good, uh, acquisition to the squad. I was going to say, if his agent listens to this podcast, then uh, I'd be very, very impressed. Yeah, surprised yeah. as well. But yeah, yeah. So, Bryce, um, who else we got? Okay, okay. Right, we've got another another Ipswich stalwart of the um, the late nineteen nineties, Matt Holland. Oh yeah. 
um, played in centre midfield um, over 250 games for Ipswich, um, captained the the playoff um, winning team of the 2000 against Barnsley at, um, when they won 4-2 at Wembley. And then he also had a, a good international career. He played 49 uh, games for Republic of Ireland. Um, yeah, just a, a good, solid midfield player and got his fair share of goals as well. He scored 38 in his Ipswich career as well. So, you know, he was in the right places at the right time. Sort of a Scott Parker-esque. Yeah, sort of chipped in with about sort of six or seven goals a season. Oh, yeah. You know, so, just a up and down box to box midfielder yeah. really and sort of worked your socks off all the time. Not massive numbers, but you knew exactly what you were going to get. Yeah, I mean, he, he went from Ipswich to Charlton. He was um, captain of Charlton for several seasons as well. Oh. And yeah, not say he played 50-odd games for Republic of Ireland as well. So. so so we've got half of the midfield. So. Yep. Who else is joining them in the middle of the park? Okay. Um, another player that's already been mentioned, John Walk. Yeah. I had a feeling that name might come up, to be honest, after you mentioned him a couple of times already. <laughs> yeah. So he had he had three spells at Ipswich, um, mid-70s to mid-80s. Then he joined Liverpool, where he had a couple of seasons there, where he was pretty successful as well in the uh, sort of mid to late 80s when they were winning things. And, you know, he was in a, a good side. Um, and then he came back um, a couple of times as well. So, yeah, when Ipswich got promoted to the um, to the Premier League um, in the early nineties, he, he was there as well. Got the first season of the Premier League when they done the, got the Sky Sky got it, and he was in the advert for the Sky. Um, uh, is that is that the one where they're all in like the changing room or they're doing training yeah. or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, like Vinnie Jones and all the the players like that and, I think yeah Les Ferdinand I think was in it as well possibly yeah yeah and he, he had he had a quite a good um, international career as well he, he's 29 games for Scotland seven seven goals played at the World Cup in 82 um, and you know won the Ipswich won the FA Cup with Ipswich in 78 and UEFA Cup and you know he, he, he scored 36 goals um, when they won in the season where they won the UEFA Cup and he held the record for a long, long time, like 14 goals in Europe that season. That's not bad, really, is it? Uh, he scored altogether. He scored 179 goals, and like I say, he was one of the probably one of the greatest penalty takers I've ever seen. And I think I only saw him ever miss one penalty. Yeah. And that and that was um, when they played Southend away in the season that they got promoted to the Premier League and he hit I think he hit the crossbar with a penalty but the ball must have rebounded about 30 yards going back the other way after hitting the crossbar (laughs) so if it goes back that far then you know he's put some welly behind it yeah yeah Yeah. so and he was in um, Escape to Victory the film in the early 80s as well yes he was with a few of the other Ipswich players Um, yeah so he he was uh, and he still does quite a lot. He does a lot of the phone-ins um, on a Thursday night for Radio Suffolk. And he's taken some of my, he's answered some of my quiz questions out of my book when it featured on the radio as well a few weeks ago. Oh, brilliant. There you go. What more do you need now? questions to him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I suppose all you want now is him to actually sign a copy and then you've got that there. That's, yeah. that's it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Um, we're missing one midfielder now. So who's okay. rounding off this part of the team? Yeah, so we've we've gone up to date. 
Um, Wes Burns um, joined Ipswich at the start of, um, start of the season. Um, he scored 13 goals and was um, uh, leading goal scorer this season. And yeah, he's, he's just... Um, he, he could be um, another legend in a few years' time if he stays with the club and doesn't move on. And yeah. he, he can take Ipswich up, you know, you know, to the echelons of the Premier League and or Championship. Yeah. And he could he could be just like a, you know, a, a solid, um, you know, ten twelve goal goal a season man, or you know, and he's he's adding assists to his game that he hadn't added before. So. And he's Welsh, so he's got a chance. He could get a call up for the Wales team and the playoff, or if they get to the World Cup. So there you go. Yeah. They, uh, if they get that far, who knows? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, he, he's he's one to look out for. Um, still sort of fairly young. Um, yeah, and and I think he's he's got the, you know, he's got his feet on the ground, and you know, he's he's got his head screwed on, so he he could go places. That's what he wants in your youngsters, and you know, keep them grounded. Yeah, and not mixed in the wrong circles like a certain young striker of ours did. But we won't mention his name. Um, <laughs> right, so we've got you two up front now. Who's your partnership? Okay, um, up front, I've got um, Paul Mariner. Up front, um, obviously mentioned him earlier. Yeah, and um, had a great career with Ipswich, um, and he also. After playing for Ipswich, he moved on to to Arsenal and had a, sort of a few seasons there. And then he played for Portsmouth and he had a, a good good career with England as well. Um, back in the sort of early early late, early eighties, um, where it was obviously quite difficult to get into the England team. Uh, it did help obviously when you had the England managers, Ipswich Town manager as well at the time. Yeah, so, well, there you go. Um, but yeah, um, no favouritism there, I don't think. But I mean, he's a good player anyway, so I think he would have picked himself on merit. So yeah. Um, but yeah, he scored scored thirteen goals for England. Um, you know, and passed away last year as well, which was um, very sad. Um, just a great footballer to watch. You know, if you ever get a chance, just put Paul Mariner in there, and you'll see some great goals. And you know, an all round striker. Uh, you know, an all round, all fashioned, old fashioned striker scored goals with his head and his feet, and you know, worked for the team. And you know, just a great footballer of his time yeah proper old school yeah yeah Yeah. so we've come to the last of the starting 11 who's rounding the team off okay I've gone with my my favourite player as well Pablo Pablo Cunago in there Um, like I say what we mentioned earlier he played 65 games scored 65 goals sorry for Richard in a couple of spells Um, you never knew what you were going to get with him Um, just a you know, he was a real fan's favourite while he was there as well. They'd sing his name, um, and yeah, just a another you know great, a great um, player, um, you know, foreign player that that that's come in and and sort of was really at home in a, in a an Ipswich shirt. Really, that's what you're wanting. That someone who just comes in and just takes to the club straight away. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So. so. We've got your eleven then. Like I think you mentioned that you've got uh, manager. Uh, did you say you got an assistant as well or not? I have got an assistant, but I've, okay. I've got him being as like a, an assistant player manager. Oh, okay. So okay. We'll, we'll we'll go for your management team first then. Okay, I've, I've got um, manager. Um, 
I was I was really swayed between two here. It was either going to be Sir Alf Ramsey, yeah. but I went for Sir Bobby Robson. So either um, way, you, you've got a manager that's been knighted. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that that was that was quite a hard choice. Um, yeah, I mean Sir Bobby, um, you, you know, he he done so much for for football in general, really of his of his time. I mean. Um, a lot, a lot of managers that are managing in the Premier League now learn off him yeah. um, as assistants. Mourinho, um, you know, all, all those those kind of players. Pep Guardiola, I think he was a um, learned from him as well. And you know, he, he managed in several different countries. Obviously, learned several different languages as well to to speak to the players in. And you know, he was just a great. Great, great manager. I say, he always seems to come. Well, it, it did come across an interview as, as a not a decent bloke as well. Yeah, I mean, back in the day when he was at Ipswich, I think there was one season where they only used about sixteen players for the whole season. Wow. Um, a squad was a squad. It was a close knit team. If, if you played in played for the reserves, you were, you know, you were hardly ever going to get a game. That, that was how how it used to be. That the team literally picked itself because it was that good. You know. It was only if your leg was badly injured or your arm or your whatever, or if you had a bad sprain or something and you said that you couldn't play, you were that was the only way you weren't going to play, if you know what I mean. So it was, something's pretty much got to be hanging off for yes, not to play. Yes, definitely. definitely. <laughs> so, um, you say you've got an assistant player manager, so who will be having as that? George Burley. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he was um, obviously in the 80s, so I couldn't put him in the in the team because I, I didn't have enough space for the, you know, to do with the blending it in but he's, he's in there as an assistant manager and obviously he was a manager of Ipswich as well when they got promoted to the Premier League and yes. um, Scottish national manager as well and and uh, yeah so he, he's uh, still local to the area as well and you know yeah good 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 manager that, that could be an interesting uh, managerial partnership, but I think also you've discovered a loophole in the, in something as well. <laughs> so, yeah, um, right, you said you've got a bench as well. Do you want to sort of rattle yeah, those off? Okay. Yeah, I'll rattle those off. Um, so I had a sub goalkeeper, and I had that, I had that down as um, as Paul Cooper, who played in the late seventies, early eighties in the Ipswich Cup and Cup team winning teams. That was yep. quite a hard one actually because I, I did have. Um, a choice for the sub goalkeepers. I had Craig Forrest, who played for West Ham and Ipswich in the sort of mid to late 80s. Um, Laurie Civil, who was back up to Paul Cooper in the 80s and also was the German goalkeeper in Escape to Victory. Oh, okay. Um, and then a couple more recent ones, but I did plump for Paul Cooper. And he was so unlucky not really to get an Ingram cap, but had Peter Chilton and Ray Clements around at the time. So, so you're it, not going to shift either of them, are you? No, no. But he was on a par with those. If you know, yeah. When it when Ipswich were, you know, getting pushing for the titles each season, and you know, in the sort of late seventies, early eighties. So he, he was, you know, up there with the. If it had been playing today, they'd have probably had some caps. But yeah, he was unlucky. I've got a feeling, and I. I'll have to look back at the what I wrote down. That in the first episode I did of this, it was a fantasy penalty shootout lineup, and 
I've got a feeling he might have been picked as one of the goalkeepers a, a couple of times. He had a phenomenal record of saving penalties. Yeah, that might have been it. But I've got a it might be my dad or one of his mates that I asked to, to pick to choose. But if anyone wants to go listen back to that first episode, I'll warn you now, it's not the best. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to start somewhere. But I, I do recognise that name, yeah. Yeah, I think I think he ended his career or near the end of his career, he ended up playing for Birmingham City. Right. So, yeah. But, I mean, he played for Richard for a lot of years. So, ah, OK. Yeah. So, so here's your keeper. Um, you've got a few other spots to fill. Who's going yep, to be filling? Okay, so I've got an, another one from the 60s. I've got a striker, um, uh, a gentleman called Ray Crawford. Um, he had a couple of games for England back in the 1960s and he's had a partnership when they won the old championship or first division um, with a guy called um, Ted Phillips and they were um, phenomenal at their level that, you know they'd score 30 30 goals a season all the time um, and they, they literally won the titles for Richard single-handedly took them all through the divisions and um, yeah really good players I mean my uh, dad's uncle used to know Ted Phillips quite well because he used to live quite locally to, um, in Suffolk so okay. be a member of his local club as well so yeah so he, he was um, he was a good player of that that age um, still a, still alive he's probably um, in his late 80s now I think yeah he's uh, I think he lives down in Portsmouth and um yeah, he's, he he comes up to Ipswich like at the end of season when they have all the uh, reunions and stuff like that. He's he's, okay. he's there. So yeah, oh, brilliant, cool. Um, who else have we got on the bench? Okay, I've gone I've gone for the, a Dutch duo of Arnold Muren and Franz Tyson. Um, I've got one of them playing in the seventies and one of them playing in the eighties because they were had a sort of a lap over. So the two great Dutch players playing in midfield that played when Sir Bobby was in charge. Um, yeah, so they they were the the Dutch Dutch masters of that time and sort of the Cruyff era and and players like that. That's a lot to live up to, isn't it? When you yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. right, um, noughties, tens, and twenties. Then, well, I think nothing okay. nineties to fill as well, haven't we? Yeah, I've got I've got one from the nineties and then one sort of a crossover into the early two thousands just to finish. Yeah. Okay, so I've got um, Jim Magilton. From the nineties, okay. he was um, uh, played in um, centre midfield, um, and then he went on to manage Ipswich in the sort of early two thousands after George Burley and um, Joe Royal. So was he Northern Ireland international? Yes, yes. Yeah, he was a Northern Ireland international. Yeah, I have to think then just yeah. to make sure I got the right part of the part of Ireland. Like just in case I don't want to get yeah, that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Northern Ireland, and he was he was a proper. Um, you know, tough tackling midfielder, um, with a bit extra, you know, sort of the, I don't know, uh, how can I say, it kind of be the, like the kind of messy of today, you know, the person who could look, find the pass, yeah, you know, put the pass through, and sort of link it all up, and you know, it, it was that kind of era, very oh. physical, uh, you know, never shirked the challenge, that kind of thing. So he was a he was a good player. Yeah, sort of could tick multiple boxes. Yeah, he scored a hat trick in the playoff semi final that um, got Ipswich to the playoff final against Barnsley. Yeah. Got a hat trick. So that, you know, 
puts him in his place in history just for that, doesn't it? Hmm. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so I've got one more for the bench then, yeah? Yep. Yeah. And then I've got um, another guy who played in the early 2000s, a player called Martin Rusa. Um, he, he was uh, at Ipswich um, on loan, I believe, um, when they got to the playoff final and he scored um, in the playoff final. And then he had a, a couple of good seasons when they got promoted up to the Premier League. Um, and he he just sort of scored wonder goals. Um, yeah, and he, he's, uh, he used to set up Marcus Stewart quite a lot. Um, right. when, got, when they finished fifth in the Premier League, yeah, he, he he's you know again another another um, Dutch player with with that little bit of extra spark and creativity that he could you know get the pass and he had a good free kick on him as well. Yeah, so we know we know a little bit about having Dutch midfielders in the uh, in the nineties round our way as well. Yeah, uh, good old Richie sneakers, but yeah, um, yeah. So if it looks like that's rounded off your team, your bench, your managers. Um, and unfortunately, that's drawn everything to a close now. Yeah. So all that's left for me to say is, Stephen, thank you very much for joining me on the show and uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. That's a pleasure. So before we move on to the poem uh, for this episode, I've decided to carry on with the three for a win segment, which I brought in in the last episode with Roy from the Shed Project. Um, I've now got a little bit of backing from none other than Radio Windrush's own, the presenter of an A to D of Indy on 7 till 9 every Thursday, PM that is, A.D. Hansen. The tracks for this run of three for a win uh, from the previous week to this episode coming out, uh, this was released on the 6th of May, and it's called If I Could by Blush Puppy. Uh, the week of the episode, which will be the third, well, Friday the 13th of May, um, we've got the Mexican Dogs with When It's Gone. And then for the week after that, we've got the Men in the Shed, not to be confused with the Shed Project, and their new single out on the 20th called Heather. Okay, so here's a bit of each of those songs. First up, If I Could by Blush Puppy. Is when it's gone by the Mexican dogs. but not least, Heather by the Men in the Shed.
She always leads you astray in the best way. She never looks unimpressed. Right, so there's your three for this uh, this episode's three for a win. Uh, you can find the various bands on Spotify uh, to listen to other songs of theirs. Uh, if you want to find them on social media, they're all on Twitter. Uh, Blush Puppy are at Blush Puppy Band. Mexican Dogs are at Mexican Dogs underscore. Uh, Men in the Shed are at the Men in the Shed. Uh, if you want to check out uh, Radio Windrush, uh, on Twitter, they are at Radio Windrush. Uh, the website is windrushradio.co.uk. Again, thanks to Aidy for uh, helping us find the tracks for uh, for this particular uh, particular segment. Uh, the poem for this episode is, again, one I've written myself, um, and it's called Going Dutch. Here it is. I hope you enjoy it. May 81, the UEFA Cup final. A year of a royal wedding, Indiana Jones and vinyl. Ipswich Town led by Bobby Robson. Not yet a sir, that was later to happen. Leg one at Portman Road, Ipswich's home ground in Suffolk. AZ of the Netherlands, the opponents, hailing from Alkmaar and the Zen streak. John Walk opened the scoring from 12 yards out. The back of the net he hit from the spot with tremendous clout. Franz Tyson with a second against his countrymen, then Mariner for 3-0, Ipswich are cruising. A fortnight later in the second leg away, the Olympic Stadium in Amsterdam is where it was played. Four minutes in and Tyson scores on home turf this time. Weissel for AZ just moments later levels the tie on the night. Victory for the Tractor Boys still firmly in sight. Met God with a second and it's now 4-2. Are the dreams of an English victor coming unglued? Walk with a second for switch. Parity restored on the night. 5-2 overall and the trophy in sight. Toll gets AZ's third just before half-time and a 5-3 the aggregate score. Time to dig deep and deny them anymore. 17 minutes left and a fourth goal scored by Jonker. AZ aiming to make Bobby's boys look like plonkers. Thankfully for the team from Portman Road, the scoring was complete. UEFA Cup champions, despite that night's defeat. Massive thanks to everyone who's listened to this episode of the podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, a big thank you as well to Stephen End for taking the time to join me on the show. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at brains underscore 21. Uh, the book is also available on eBay which there'll be a link for that in the episode description. Um, a big thanks as well for the continuing support of Luke Williamson Art, for which, as I mentioned earlier in the show, can save a little bit of money on artwork. If you go to his website, which is lukewilliamsonart.com, if you enter the code PROJFOOT10, it's P-R-O-J-F-O-O-T-1-0, put that in at the checkout and you'll get 10% off any artwork that you purchase. Uh, it's also on Twitter, at LT Williamson Art. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do on Twitter at Proj underscore foot, Instagram at Project Football Podcast. Uh, we're also on Facebook if you search for Project Football Podcast. Uh, one other thing, if you haven't heard already, uh, myself and Reedy from the Beat the First Man podcast, 
go and give it a listen. Uh, we're teaming up for a joint venture, uh, looking into football rivalries, and it's called Know Your Enemy. Uh, we're recording the first episode very soon. Uh, there's a trailer already out there on Spotify and wherever you can find podcasts. If you just search for Know Your Enemy, it will just give you a bit of a uh, bit of a background as to what we're going to be looking to do, basically, um, how the show is sort of going to play out. Um, yeah, so give that a listen. And again, thank you very much for listening to this one. But unfortunately, we've now reached full time. So all that's left for me to say is goodbye and take care.